Welcome to another Toonami pre-flight. Uh, one of our last of the year. We're coming up on yeah. it. Yeah. This might be the last one. We might be preempted, but we don't know. So what's what's before penultimate? We're gonna <laughs> penultimate the pen, eves. The penultimate penultimate episode. Tsunami preflight. Yeah, episode um, forty nine of the calendar. Justin, year. we're seeing your monitor. Can you put us on the full screen? Thanks, buddy. Just talking to our our crew. We're we're a tight little crew here. We are. So we're we we like to keep it loose. Uh, can you punch up booth center, please? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we've been, we finally started on our sort of favorites of the year. A couple of weeks ago, we started with our favorite games and then we did our favorite music and now we're doing our favorite movies. Um, Indeed. and it's a little tricky cause when we're recording this, it's mid, it's the end of November and obviously a whole bunch of last minute awards contenders and the new star Wars movie are coming out in December. Yeah. So disaster artists still to come. It's weird. <sighs> I don't give a fuck about disaster. It's weird that Phantom Thread, uh, the new Paul Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. movie, and Daniel Day Lewis's last movie is I can't. Imagine. I can't imagine that's going to actually be his last movie. I don't know. He he he's retired for years before, where he just disappeared and he was a cobbler. Remember? Yeah, but I mean, he's gonna. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll but be a beekeeper for five years. If anybody and- would actually retire, it would be him. But yeah, I I I get. I mean, most of the time, people say they're going to retire and they're not, especially in entertainment. It's like it's so easy. I guess I'll take a bag of money to do fun shit. It's like, also weird that you make a huge... I mean, I guess it's just so people stop bothering you is why you bother. But it's like, yeah. just say That's no. That's what I mean. He's not the kind of person who craves that kind of... Those kind, he doesn't right. make sort of statements like that. So yeah. I believe there's a good chance he's actually going to retire. But uh, I'm going to see The Phantom Thread, and I I'm, I can't imagine it's not going to be one of my favorites. And I'm a Star Wars nerd, so so this will sure. be this is so like, far so far, except for maybe Star Wars and Phantom Thread, among others. Yeah, um, we still got a solid thirty days of movie going. Yeah, we do, we do. So let's uh, let's kick it off. I, I'll start with uh, I'll start with uh, one of my favorite. So this the question of the week is: What's your favorite movie of 2017? Yeah, there it is. Hey, there it hey. is. Hey, everybody's working it out. Good job, guys. Uh, so let's start off with one of my favorites. I've already talked about it, so I won't belabor it, but uh, it's already winning awards. And that is, of course, the surprise smash hit Get Out, uh, directed and written by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele fame. And I like to think of him as Children's Hospital fame. <laughs> children's Hospital fame. I was pleasantly surprised because I have to be honest, I've never given the slightest shit about his comedy other than Children's Hospital. Yeah. Um, and I, so when I heard Jordan Peele wrote a horror movie, I was like, Jordan Peele wrote a horror, like, who cares about that? Uh, I was, I was wrong. Yeah. And it's, I've seen it now a few times and every time I see it, I think it rises in my estimation. Um, yeah. The first time you saw it, you liked it, but it yeah, wasn't. I was, like, I was like, it was pretty good, but I don't see why everyone's freaking out. But then I read some pieces about all the layers of stuff that are in there, and then I saw it again and started noticing that stuff. And having seen it probably four times now, it is such an airtight, well-constructed movie on a story, thematic, symbolic, visual level. Like, it's crazy well put together that uh, I just admire it. Um, But it's really great. Uh, If you want a good horror movie or a socially conscious horror movie or both, you should definitely see it. Uh, I wouldn't be. There's also some funny parts. There are some funny parts. I wouldn't be surprised if it does win some Oscars. It's winning a lot of uh, early sort of independent awards and stuff right now. Yeah. So maybe (laughs) original screenplay. Maybe yeah. 
I would be I would be surprised if he wins director over I'm sure that like movies like Dunkirk and Phantom Thread and they're going to sort of be more in the running but and they don't like to award horror movies. I think the last horror movie that won best picture was uh, Silence of the Lambs, so that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, they don't like to give horror movies in first time director. Horror movies and comedies they don't like to give Oscars to, but Get Out's social consciousness maybe It'd be sweet if it won. Yeah, I'd be psyched. Um so that's my first. Let's check out uh, a trailer for Get Out in case you're one of the people who haven't seen it. Here's why you need to. Tell me when you found it. Come here, Chris. Look at me. <laughs> found it. Where was your mom? She, uh... She was coming home. She wasn't home. Trying to work? Mm. Mm. And... What did you do? There. You didn't call anyone? No. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that if I did, make it real. Hmm. sunken place.
So yeah, that, that was a scene, uh, probably one of the best scenes in movies this year. And that scene with the sunken place has become part of a larger cultural conversation. Like I saw the well, Tiger Woods went golfing with Donald Trump, and a bunch of people were commenting, "Tiger's in the sunken place." Yeah. You know, like um, so. It's rare that a movie breaks through to the point where it becomes part of the larger cultural conversation and get out as for good reason. Um, and then next up is a movie that didn't break out into a larger part of the cultural conversation, but I wish it had, and that's Blade Runner 2049, which was a big old flop. Big flop-tastic flop, um, unfortunately. The original Blade Runner, which this is a sequel to, came out 35 years ago and also was a flop, but then became one of the most influential science fiction movies of all time and considered a classic. And I think that they were hoping that audience awareness of the pre-existing Blade Runner and the fact that its influence has been so broad and deep and they put Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling in it that they could get people to show up. I think the problem is that they made a three-hour, really slow, really sad movie and that's just not something that's going to ever be a huge moneymaker. Yeah. I think um, probably the in this day and age, the time duration was more... Yeah, people were. I think were like, "Oh yeah, go see Blade Runner three hours." Yeah, plus I get drive to the th- so it's like four yeah. hour. And I think, and I understand why they did it, but I think a lot of the marketing was very sort of vague about what the story was, and I know why they did that, but I think that hurt its chances of finding a new audience because I think people thought like, "Well, well, I don't really know anything about Blade Runner. I'm not going to bother because clearly you need to know shit about it." Like they didn't really know that you don't have to have seen the original to be able to watch this movie, yeah, which should have been the trailer. Yeah. Um, so it, and it's not a perfect movie, but it is very much in my wheelhouse in terms of aesthetics. And the original Blade Runner is one of my favorite films of all time. So I fell in love with it pretty much right away. And I've seen it three times in the theater. Uh, it has a lot to say. I like how it differs from the original Blade Runner in some key ways and tries to be its own thing, but I like how it dovetails back with the original. It further explores some of the ideas about, you know, essentially what makes us human. Um, but it's basically years after Blade Runner, there's been an EMP that knocked out everybody's public records. So there's replicants from the original Blade Runner time still in hiding. And now there are new replicants who never disobey and, They are hunting these stray replicants. Earth is basically a giant ghetto um, where nobody wants to live. No, there's no living animals or trees. It's super fun. Um, So, uh, but here's a trailer. I'd say it's worth watching if you have any interest in science fiction or you like Ryan Gosling or Harrison Ford or you like Blade Runner. It's pretty great. If you like all those things, you probably already seen it. It's directed by Denis Denis Villeneuve, who directed Arrival. Sicario, Prisoners. Uh, he's done some great stuff, and he's now going to do Dune because directing a sequel to yeah. one legendary flop is not enough. <laughs> so, but I'm psyched to see his Dune. Um, so, let's check out the trailer for Blade Runner 2049. I thought you might be able to help me with the case. Any idea where I could find him? Your police. I don't take him here. I would much prefer that to the alternative. Every leap of civilization 
was built off the back of slaves. Replicants are the future, but I can only make so many. I had the luck, and he has the key. I think I found him. That's not possible. If this gets out, we've bought ourselves a war. You're a cop. I did your job once. Things were simpler then. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. What happened? I covered my tracks. Scrambled the records. We were being hunted. By who? They know you're here. You do not know what pain is yet. You will learn. Bring it to me. This breaks the world. We have to go. I'm coming with you. The future of the species is finally unearthed. So yeah, sales. <laughs> uh, and then next up is uh, for me is the uh, latest film from Yorgos Lanthimos, who's a Greek director. He did um, The Lobster. I uh, did a couple movies before that that were great, and his new one is a psychological horror film starring uh, Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. Uh, I thought it was fucking great. It's called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, it also has my favorite trailer uh, that I've seen this year, which uses music from the film. It's very much... Lanthimos is known for doing sort of... Uh, plots that are very surreal that don't necessarily make sense and that are sometimes creepy and sometimes sweet the lobster was on the sweeter side but it was also <laughs> creepy too um and this is definitely his attempt to do a kubrick film it's it very much feels like from its construction to its pacing to the way it's shot to the performances to the score it feels like him doing a kubrick homage and he does a very good job so uh, check out this trailer, and if you think this trailer is interesting, you'll like this movie. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. Because we got the fire, and we're burning one hell of a something. They, they're going to see us from outer space. Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like with the stars of the human race. Human race. Where did you two go? When the lights started out, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, playing loud, giving love to the world. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Cause we got the fire, fire, Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. To get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? We're gonna let it burn, burn, burn. 
understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of as close to justice. We can light it up, up, up. So they can put it out, out, out. Terrifying. Yeah, more people should see it. It's awesome. Um, and then this is a movie that actually critically was kind of kicked to the curb, but I, I don't understand why other than maybe it wasn't as Here's exciting as the original, but I'm talking about T2 Train Spotting, which is the sequel to the original Train Spotting film based on Irvine Welsh's novel that was a sequel that takes place 20 years after the original story. The novel was called Porno. Obviously, they couldn't call the movie that. <laughs> Or there would be a lot of people messing up their searches for that one. Um, and this concerns Renton coming back to the city where he grew up and getting back together with Sick Boy and Spud. And Begbie is in jail and gets out of jail and wants to kill Renton for stealing the money that he stole 20 years ago. And really, the whole movie is about being old and how much getting old sucks. I think I mean, that's, that's why... the critical yeah. acclaim wasn't there because yeah. it's just like uh it's really well made the performances are great the story arcs totally make sense it's faithful to the book um if you love those characters from train spotting it's fun to spend two more hours with them it's still the pacing and everything it feels like the original like in terms of the editing and stuff it, it's like yeah the music's good. yeah the music's very cutting edge like the original was it's just that this movie is about what pieces of shit they were when they were young and how they've grown old and they have to reckon with sort of the wreckage they've left behind for their drug addictions and the things that they've done. So it's like, yeah, it's like the original Transpawning wasn't exactly a fun movie, but it was exhilarating in parts because yeah, they were, were young. And they were, yeah, it was more of – and this is more just what happens, tw- you know, when, when you're, you're older. Up. Yeah, when you sober up. And I guess that – to, that may be one reason why people just felt like it didn't recapture the magic of the original, but I thought it was a great exploration of a different aspect of these guys' journey. Yeah, um, I didn't see it in the theater mostly because it wasn't getting great reviews, yeah. and then I watched it. I was like, I don't understand what people. Yeah. And I think did. maybe to me the the uh, non the non appeal of the movie is probably best summed up in this clip I have, where they <laughs> they update the the famous choose life speech from the original film they basically call back to it and they update it for today's world and it's so fucking depressing uh but i love it so let's check out choose life from t2 what's choose life what choose life simon says it sometimes he says choose life veronica Choose life. Choose life was a well-meaning slogan from a 1980s anti-drug campaign. And we used to add things to it. So I might say, for example, choose... ...designer lingerie in the vain hope of kicking some life back into a dead relationship. (laughs) Choose handbags. Choose high-heeled shoes, cashmere and silk to make yourself feel what passes for happy. Choose an iPhone made in China by a woman who jumped out of a window and stick it in the pocket of your jacket fresh from a South Asian fire trap. Choose Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram and a thousand other ways to spew your bile across people you've never met. Choose updating your profile. Tell the world what you had for breakfast and hope that someone somewhere cares. 
choose looking up old flames, desperate to believe that you don't look as bad as they do. Choose live blogging from your first wank to your last breath, human interaction reduced to nothing more than data. Choose ten things you never knew about celebrities who'd had surgery. Choose screaming about abortion. Choose rape jokes, slut-shaming, revenge porn, and an endless tide of depressing misogyny. Choose 9-11 never happened. And if it did, it was the Jews. Choose a zero-hour contract and a two-hour journey to work. And choose the same for your kids, only worse. And maybe tell yourself it's better that they never happened. And then sit back and smother the pain with an unknown dose of an unknown drug made in somebody's fucking kitchen. Choose unfulfilled promise and wishing you'd done it all differently. Choose never learning from your own mistakes. Choose watching history repeat itself. Choose the slow reconciliation towards what you can get rather than what you always hoped for. Settle for less and keep a brave face on it. Choose disappointment and choose losing the ones you loved and as they fall from view, a piece of you dies with them. Until you can see that one day in the future, piece by piece, they will all be gone and there'll be nothing left of you to call alive or dead. Choose your future, Veronica. Choose life. Anyway. It amused us at the time. So, uh, yeah, I love that shit, uh, and I don't think it got its day in court for whatever reason. Uh, and then my final pick uh, is uh, the third film in the most recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. Um, yeah. Good cut. Yeah. I must confess I'm a Planet of the Apes fan. I like the original movies. The first one, the original Planet of the Apes, a legit great movie. Most of the sequels are crap, but some of them have some very interesting Uh, social commentary and ideas and I've always liked him the makeup was always amazing Um, then Tim Burton did his dog shit Donnie Wahlberg one or Mark Wahlberg one that we'll pretend didn't happen and then uh, the most recent trilogy uh, started with this character Caesar played by Andy Serkis and I think these have some of the best most realistic special effects and motion capture Facial animation in any movie, like they're it's real monkeys. They're pretty much, <laughs> they're pretty much seamless. Uh, and Andy Serkis's work here is amazing, as well as all the artists who create the motion capture of Caesar. Um, and the last two have been directed by the same guy, who, Matt Reeves, who did um, uh, he did Cloverfield and he did the American version of uh, the vampire film. Let uh, the right one in. Let let me in. The American version's called. Um, I really like his work, and uh, so this is really a very direct sequel to the last Planet of the Apes film, and continues the story about. It's like ten years later, a little. Yeah, not even. I don't think. Yeah, like eight years later. So this is about Caesar and his son, and they encounter a new threat in the form of Woody Harrelson, who's this sort of general who's gathering. Basically, humanity is mostly dead at this point. The few remaining factions of people are now basically at war with one another and continuing to kill each other off. The apes have been kind of off the playing board for a while. They just want to be left alone. And of course, they get wrapped back up in the humans' bullshit. And this is basically the final straw that really breaks humanity. So if there's another Planet of the Apes movie, they're going to have to go back to astronauts the landing and the start whole, yeah. of the beginning of the planet. Yeah, of the this apes, is the I beginning. The this is the beginning of very few humans being left and apes surviving this virus and apes becoming intelligent. And now humans are devolving and they're losing the ability to speak. So basically this is 
this is leading you to the original Planet of the Apes. Um, it's a really well-made movie, and it's surprisingly sad and heartfelt for a movie that's about a bunch of fucking talking apes. <laughs> More than any other movie about talking apes. Um, so let's check out the trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes. like just apes to him he saved our lives he was remarkable you're him you're caesar we've been searching for you for so long tell your colonel we are not savages I mean, I'll be honest, they already won with me when they put apes on horsebacks with machine guns, killing yeah. humans, because that sounds awesome and I hate humans. The, but uh, the next movie is just going to be called The Roundup. <laughs> the Roundup. But I mean, but I have to say, they kind of win by taking the pre- such a ridiculous premise so seriously that they just sort of, it, it makes you just take it more seriously because it's not at all. There's no Yeah, wink. there's no camp at there's all. There's no like, ha ha, you know, because I think they knew that that would crack the whole thing. Um and then I have a surprise pick because surprise. I think this movie is underseen. And uh, not after this episode, and <laughs> we're gonna blow it open. And that's the incredible uh, Wind River, which was uh, from Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Hell or High Water. This is his directorial debut. He wrote it as well. Um, unfortunately, this movie was the last release from Weinstein film. So, in the wake of Harvey Weinstein's disgusting sex allegations. Uh, this movie is getting pretty buried, which is unfortunate because it's a really good movie. Um, it concerns Jeremy Renner, who plays a wildlife tracker 
who lives who basically patrols an area in Montana near Wind River, which is a an Indian reservation, Native American reservation, and um, their young Native American girl is killed, and he used to live in that village and knows everyone. So the FBI is coming to investigate the murder, and uh, because it crosses jurisdictional lines, and they ask him for help, both tracking the killer and also just helping the FBI agent interface with the town because uh, obviously they hate police of any kind. It's a really good, really sad movie. Um, if you liked Hell or High Water, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. Um, I, I thought the dialogue was great and, and I really loved it, uh, but no one's really seen it and no one's talking about it. And post Weinstein's explosion of awfulness. Yeah, it's not going. He's just being, it's being buried. So I just wanted to say, here, check out Wind River. Here's, it's on video now. You can stream. I don't know if you can stream it, but you can get it on iTunes. So oh, I you should. Nice. Um, so check out the trailer. I need emergency assistance. What's your location? The Wind River Indian Reservation. I'm Jane Banner, FBI. Welcome to Wyoming. You by yourself? It's just me. That's Corey Lambert. He's the one who found the body. This is a homicide. I knew that girl. She's a fighter. They have six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode Island. Maybe you can help. Well, I know what the tracks say. What is it that you do again? I'm predators. So why don't you come hunt one for me then? Why would a teenage girl be out here? What is she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Watch the oh my god. You won't get the answers you're looking for. No matter what you find. Why would your daughter run from home? I don't know why. You didn't tell me. Out here. You cannot blink. Not ever. This place. What it takes from us. What it took from you. I got lucky. Luck that is in the city. Get your hand up that weapon. It's a good thriller. They made it look more like an action movie. There's a couple sequences, but it's it's more of a thriller. But those are some of my uh, favorites so far. Yeah. Uh, good choices. First for me is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri from nice. Martin McDonough of In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths fame. Nice. Also brother of John Michael, who directed The Guard. And The Cavalry, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, this is... Somewhat based on a true story, uh, when he first came to the States, whatever, 20 years ago, he decided the way to see the country would be to ride around on a Greyhound bus. And he was going through Texas and saw these billboards 
that sort of inspired him to make this story. This is not what actually happens is not a true story. So um, Frances McDormand is a mom whose daughter was raped and murdered and she rents, I guess is the way to explain it, uh, three billboards in the town to sort of push Woody Harrelson, who's seen amongst us here, uh, who is the chief of police into solving that crime. Um, and it's funny and sad and awful and all of those things, but let's check out the Red Band trailer uh, to give you <laughs> sort of a good feel for how it is. And this language gets a little salty, kids. A little blue. What's along what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? Or anus? I think I'll be all right then. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. Time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. We've had two official complaints about those billboards. From who? The lady with a funny eye. A lady with a funny fucking eye? And a fat dentist. There's a lot of good friends of Willoughby in this town, Miss Hayes. Ow! You didn't happen to drill a little hole in the dentist today, did you? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. I'm sorry about Angie, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead? The more you keep a case in the public eye, the better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the sign... You know, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of people's feelings. All this anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. And as sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be... This reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. Then put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your Good Morning Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? The Dink. Yeah. I love when the Dink is in anything. Ah, that movie's awesome. Francis McDormand is so She's good. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect movie for her. And it just got a wider release a week or so ago. So yeah. uh, more more than likely playing in a theater near you. Yeah, you should see it. Uh, next for me is Logan from James Mangold, director of Walk the Line and The Wolverine. Um, <laughs> this is sort of uh, Old Man Logan- Inspired. It's way better um, than Old Man Logan, yeah. actually. The Logan, Old Man Logan comic on which is based is actually kind of shitty, other than the idea of, yeah. wouldn't it be awesome if Logan which was Which is a, all, really, that they took. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it be awesome if Logan Old was Man old. Logan was really great? 
Um, so this is the opening scene of Logan, uh, just to give you a feel for. This is way in the future to where they don't have to worry about timelines and other things. All the mutants have died out. Most of the mutants have died out. Um, and life generally sucks, which is what I love so much about it. Guys, those are chrome-plated lugs. You're gonna strip plating flakes off. Yeah. You know this is the least. No one's gonna pay to ride. Pendejo. Cabrón. Andale pues. Andale pues. Uh, guys, 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 seriously, you don't want to do this. Not your daddy's Logan. That's what that scene's there yeah. to let you know. And that's not even the best him kicking ass. No, there's scene way the better, even. Yeah. Um, so his adamantium's breaking down. It's poisoning him, killing him slowly. He feels more pain, so he drinks all the time to mask that pain, much like everyone else. <laughs> uh, next is Dunkirk, which Jason and I saw together several times. Uh, this is Christopher Nolan showing you what amazing cinematography and what shooting in a. 70 millimeter IMAX camera inside a plane on can really film, look like yeah. on film. <laughs> yeah. We, I guess we saw it in 70 millimeter film the first time around yeah. Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an IMAX. When and then we, we saw back. real IMAX, yeah. which 
We often talk about making the drive out to Mala, Georgia, which is like an hour away. To see a movie. To see an IMAX, IMAX movie. Yeah. But the actual commitment is always too this, much of a pain this in the movie ass. Was this was totally, totally worth, worth it. Yeah, this was totally worth it. Um, so this is the basically true telling uh, of the reality of Dunkirk, the British Army cut off and needing to retreat back to England so that uh, Germany doesn't win World War II. And yeah, it's crazy. Like the whole, not the whole war, but a huge part of the war hinged yeah. on. They had three hundred thousand men on the beach, and if, they needed to evacuate them within three, five days, or and they if, were going to get overrun, if, or they were going to get slaughtered by the advancing German army. And if they got slaughtered, that would basically England mean have, England wouldn't have been able to fight World War Two, basically. <laughs> yeah, which turns out would have been a bad thing. Yeah, uh, and much of France's yeah. remaining army would have yeah. died. Um, spoiler alert: We win the war. <laughs> um, this is Did we? the that war. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the shorter. They came out with the. I guess it was technically a teaser. It was like the five minute. Oh yeah. Um, scene of everybody standing on the bridge yeah. and just waiting to die, which is always a great way to promote a movie. But um, let's check out the trailer for Dunkirk. The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Kirk. I'm not going back. There's no hiding from this sun. We have a job to do. If we go there, we'll die. see it from here. What? Home. Yeah. Great that acting, great directing, awesome. sound design. Yeah, pretty well. Then, uh, yeah, the, another Hans Zimmer score along yeah. with Blade Runner that was amazing. <laughs> Turns just, out he's he, pretty good. He's Yeah, he's he's pretty good. And Tom Hardy was awesome. Yeah. He may have the best role, but they barely have him in the trailer. Yeah, his uh, and it's his a really the way they tell the story is really cool. Yeah, that's cross cutting between three events that are happening simultaneously. It's really cool. Um, 
Next is for me is Brawl in Cellbuck 99 uh, from the director <laughs> of Bone Tomahawk S. Craig Zalher. Uh, and if you thought did, bon I, did I tell you about this movie? Did this, I, I, I thought I was the one who told you it was out because you hadn't heard that he had. Done you told me it was one. on iTunes. I didn't uh, know okay. gotcha. that it was. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm no. just curious to how you heard about the movie. Um, the, I literally uh, just popped up on iTunes. I didn't even yeah. know he was making it because when I saw when I originally saw the image, I was like. Mm. Vince Vaughn is a shaved head <laughs> yeah, guy ass. who goes to prison and kills everybody. I don't know about that movie, but if you like Bone Tomahawk, I don't think there's any way you won't like this movie. It's so incredibly if you thought violent. The violence was a little over the top in Bone but, Tomahawk. You might be a little you might turned throw off this up <laughs> this movie. Um, Vince Vaughn is a boxer, sort of normal guy, ex boxer, um, right? Mechanic um, now, and he gets he loses his job. He goes and talks to a friend, and they he goes and do, does a drug deal that goes wrong, and he gets put in jail. And his wife is pregnant with their soon-to-be child, and he is uh, encouraged to kill somebody on the inside. And if he doesn't, that they're going to do experimental surgery on his wife and unborn child. So it's kind of a sticky wicket. Um, <laughs> That's one way uh, to put it. <laughs> There's some pretty insanely. Uh, let's oh, just watch the it ending. I mean, it t- it's a slow burn, but yeah. the last it's, half hour. It's the same way that Bone Tomahawk yeah. is, where you're like waiting to see how it goes, and then it goes. Yeah, the, fucking the last half really hour well or really bad, depending on which side you're on. Complete fucking insanity. I loved it. Uh, so let's check out the trailer uh, and Vince Vaughn destroying a car, which evidently he actually did. They rigged it to where he wouldn't hurt himself. This is him just beating the shit. Out <laughs> he's of a car. huge guy. People forget he's fucking six five. If yeah. you're six and five, a little fucking crazy. Yeah, which he's helps. crazy. <laughs> Check it out. Now, every once in a while, I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principle. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong. And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. my business. I do things direct and I have a system. Won't last Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear and prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. Yeah, they can't even begin yeah, to show. You they can't even this. begin to show the best shit in the trailer, which is unfortunate. But yeah, they couldn't get away with showing that. I don't shit. think uh, Mr. Zoller's gonna make any kids' movies anytime soon, <laughs> but uh, he makes a pretty damn good action movie. And uh, last for me is another uh, super violent 
No, it's not. It's uh, Another the new documentary <laughs> for Jane Goodall called Jane um, by Brett Morgan, the director of Kids. The Kid Stays in the Picture and some other sort of oh, historical. So, wait, so, so this is about Jane arming the apes and then they ride on Yeah, horses. this is the beginning of the rise of the Planet okay, of the Apes. Cool. It's the parenthetical cool. title of the movie. All right, cool. Um, Jane the, of the Apes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, and that's she calls him Caesar. Oh, uh, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's Perfect. just sort of brings Perfect. it all around. Yeah, full circle. Um, this is a lot of old Nat Geo footage that they've uh, unearthed. Her first husband uh, was the cinematographer that they'd sent for National Geographic sent to follow uh, Jane Goodall around. They ended up marrying. So it's a lot of sort of personal footage uh, and a lot of just old, uh, cool Nat- National Geographic footage. There's also some like what now looks like shitty home movies because that's what it was but it was whatever 50 years ago was it when you say shitty you just mean super eight or yeah something like or? it's oh, okay. and but it's like all like riding in a jeep super eight so gotcha. it's you watch it on a movie screen it doesn't uh, look gotcha. super great um but it's a philip glass score the sound design in this movie is really great if you i guess if you jane goodall certainly not without some controversies surrounding her if you are really anti jane goodall i don't think this movie's for you but if you have any passing interest uh it's pretty great so let's check out the trailer for jane after day in the sun and the wind and the rain I climbed into the hills this was where I was meant to be in the wilds of Africa. Were you ever really very frightened? I thought they were nicer than us. I had no idea of their brutality. What about the significance of the studies? There were some who tried to discredit my observations because I was a young, untrained girl. I didn't care what anybody said. They would be sending out a photographer to document the chimpanzees. We both loved being out in nature, and we both loved the work we were doing. We just got on very well. Then, just like that, geographic end of the jungle. It was very upsetting, unfortunate and sad. And it was like, well, what do we do? associated with the chimpanzee until I die so yeah they interview 
Were you sad that? I'm sad there were no machine guns held by apes. Yeah, we should have crossed. I, I'm not anti Jane Goodall, but I don't think I give a shit enough to watch the movie. But yeah. there aren't apes with machine guns, so I, I don't. You can't process it. It doesn't. Yeah. When you see them going crazy, it's like, oh, this seems like a good start. Yeah. Now they're going to start killing people. When there's no war, then they don't kill people, and then I don't even understand. Yeah. Uh, And since we're doing bonus movies, my bonus for today is Thor Ragnarok. The little scene, a small, a small indie film, a small Taika Waititi movie, (laughs) uh, triumphing over the over the (laughs) adversity of. I guess we don't need to talk about Thor Ragnarok. It's pretty fucking fun it's fun and great yeah. let's watch the trailer and rock out to some led zeppelin in a non cameron crow movie and uh, nice. revel in that joy <laughs> now i know what you're thinking how did this happen well it's a long story fun yeah uh a ton of the dialogue to slash most of it was improvised and evidently the friend from work line was a make-a-wish kid who was on set that day who suggested it to him he's a friend from work great uh so those are some of our favorite movies of 2017 so far let's check out adult swim facebook polls picks hey Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver is fine, but I think people are going bananas, crazy. Although the Grammy that Run the Jewels is up for for their Baby Driver song, I'm very happy about. For me, I wanted to see 15% less Singing in the Rain and 20% more Scott Pilgrim. And if it had been in a Waffle House instead of a diner in Atlanta, well, who the fuck goes to a diner in Atlanta all the time? That's (laughs) fine. They did very meticulously work to make it feel like they were in Atlanta, but they still had to Hollywood stuff up. And it's so if you live in Atlanta, there's a weird cognitive dissonance where you're like, oh, cool. It's all in Atlanta. And then you're like, wait a minute. How'd they get over there so fast? Like probably what people who live in New York or L.A. deal with when they see literally any movie movie ever. When it's supposed to be in L.A. and it's actually Atlanta. But we're this is like the one time anyone sets a movie in Atlanta. So we're we're all just like, what the fuck? How do you get to 285? But the. uh the um, 
Subaru driving. It was fun. I mean, it was the yeah. stunts are awesome. It's just way too cutesy for its own good. And now it also has Kevin Spacey. Yeah, fucking stained all yes, over stained the whole thing. Uh, but other than that, well, it's it got good, a great so. Grammy nod for Run the Jewels. So let's uh, check out some of the tsunami <laughs> Facebook pics and stop shitting all over. Baby Driver, now we can start Look, it's all on. superhero Justice movies except for Blade Runner. Like, guys, come Which on. Which is kind of a sci-fi superhero movie. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was fine. Blade Runner yeah. was awesome. Thor was awesome. Justice League, give me a fucking break. And Wonder Woman was really fun. In fairness, it does say your favorite, not necessarily the best. So It's true, but it just blows. You know what blows my mind is I looked in the comments just because I was curious as to what people were going to say. And there were a you lot. A curious mind. There were, I do. I'm a curious guy. I like to... I have curiosity. You dig around and see yeah, what's about up. the world. So I looked at the comments and what shocked me was there's a whole bunch of people who were like, I don't know, I only saw like one movie this year. I saw Justice League, so I guess that would be my favorite. Like a ton of comments like that. Like just movies are expensive. People but just that you would only see one movie a year, but still feel like you wanted to comment. They should on start what your making those uh, if you only see one movie this year. Yeah, if you only again. saw one movie if you only see one movie this year, because most of you probably will, maybe because it should you be this steal one. Steal all the other ones. Because you steal every other home. fucking movie, you cheap bastards. Um, now that we're done Stadler and Waldorfing all over <laughs> the movie going hey, process. If they got this far into the show, they know what we're bringing. Fair enough. So let's talk about some sneak peek stuff. So coming up uh, tomorrow night at 10.30 Is it 10.30? It says 11 here uh, It's 10.30. At 10.30 p.m. is another episode It'll another say 10.30 down there New episode of Dragon Ball Super I was given the sheet to proofread But I don't ever really look at you it You did so. a shit job proofreading, Gil yeah. um, So let's see a topical for episode 43 of Dragon Ball Super Airing tomorrow night at 10.30 p.m. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super hey. Why can't I turn around? It's like my body stopped listening to me. What's causing this? You never lose control like that. This is major. It's way worse than I thought. Dragon Ball Super, this Saturday at 10.30. Uh, hey, honey. I'm home. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Goku loves bread, and he and I share that, although yeah. he's in much better shape. But Bread both, makes you fat. Bread makes you fat, but we both love bread. Uh, and then Dennis, our resident game reviewer, <laughs> did a review. He actually is the only person I know to beat Cuphead, which is the amazing uh, independently made uh, platform game that looks like a 30s cartoon uh, it's incredible the design. It's totally gorgeous, but I found it impossibly hard to play and not in a fun way. And uh, Dennis loved the concept so much he pushed through and wrote a review for us. So let's see what um, Tom thinks of Cuphead. Just when I was thirsting for a serious challenge, along comes Cuphead. <laughs> It may look like a harmless kitty game on the outside, but inside lurks a beast. Cuphead and Mugman have gotten into hot water with the devil himself. Now they have to collect soul contracts or pay with their own. With no way to regain health, no checkpoints, and no mercy, this game will make you furious. There are some handy power-ups, but finding the right mix is pretty tricky. Try, try again. After a while, it becomes an obsession. Just a bit further... Yes! Take that, you punk! This kind of grind isn't for the faint of heart, but when it comes to annoyingly satisfying fun, these cups runneth over. We give Cuphead for the Xbox One a 9 out of 10. Running with the devil. 
I'm scared to start my Cuphead game back up. <laughs> it's a I shame. Every I don't time, think I can get out of it. Every time I see the footage, I'm, I'm like, oh, man, I want to play that movie. And then, I'm, I mean, I want to play that game. And then I'm like, uh. I know when I start it up, I can't, I won't be able to stop. And I just you're not, I can't face it. You're not man enough. I'm too scared. Um, so uh, next up is another edition of Moving Pictures in which I review an animated film suggested to me by you guys, the viewers. And this time I'm reviewing a film called Ocean Waves, which I have is a, a suggestion for you. Which is yeah, which is a Studio Ghibli film uh, that came out uh, in the '90s that never got a U.S. release. Um, so G Kids has taken over the licensing for um, Studio Ghibli films in the U.S. and they released Ocean Waves uh, on Blu-ray remastered. And I've it's one of the few Ghibli movies I've never seen. So someone suggested it, and I decided to give it a whirl. So uh, here's what I thought. Hello, nice. Tsunami Faithful. Welcome to another episode of Moving Pictures, in which I, Jason Marco, review a film suggested to me by you, Tsunami viewers. Today's movie I'm going to be talking about is Ocean Waves, which is a Studio Ghibli film from 1993 that's just been re-released by G-Kids on Blu-ray and DVD. And I think it also had a limited theatrical release Disney used to have the rights to this movie, but they passed on it, and they never released it officially. So I think this might be the only Studio Ghibli release that I haven't seen yet, and I I liked it. So it was the first Studio Ghibli release that wasn't directed by Takahata or Miyazaki. It was actually directed by Tomomi Mochizuki, who had worked on Ranma, he had worked on a whole bunch of TV shows, and he was part of the Ghibli staff, and it was originally created as a made-for-TV film, and the idea was that the younger Ghibli staff could work on it while the older staff worked on the features, and that it would get them experience and let them do something of their own. And it ended up having crazy cost overruns and being too expensive, so uh, <laughs> that plan didn't quite work. But it aired as a TV release, and then it was re-released as a theatrical, and it was really well-received, and... Even now, if you look at the Metacritic score, it's, in, it's like 87 or something. Ocean Waves concerns, it's basically a soap opera. It's sort of a slice-of-life anime that's about a couple high school kids. The whole movie is basically a flashback where our main character, Taku, sees a woman on a train, Rikako, and he flashes back to where he first met her, uh, which was when he was in high school. So when he was in high school, he saw Rikako coming to school and she was a transfer student from Tokyo and he lived in a small prefecture and he became infatuated with her. So his best friend also becomes infatuated with her and most of the movie is sort of these three high school kids trying to figure out their feelings. Rikaku's kind of a, a mess. Her parents are separated and I think that's why she moved. She has an ex-boyfriend. She's kind of borrowing money from people. She's not sure how she feels about Taku. Um, she's not sure how she feels about his friend. It's very much a high school melodrama, but a super low-key Japanese version of that. Uh, it's not too dissimilar to Only Yesterday or some of the other Ghibli sort of slice of life films. It's only 72 minutes long. It's pretty short. There's not a lot of really crazy, beautiful, fluid animation because honestly, nothing much happens in the movie except for people talking in classrooms. But as always with slice of life anime, it's a fascinating picture of what things are like in another culture if you're someone like me, an American. Um, so the big, one of the big centerpieces is the kids take a class trip to Hawaii that they do for a yearly class trip. 
And on the trip, Rikako asks Taku to borrow a bunch of money, which she then wants to use to take a trip to see her dad. And Taku ends up getting roped into that. And really, I mean, she's she's pretty terrible. Like as a, she seems like a kind of a mess of a person. And Taku's just sort of like letting her walk all over him. So I don't know how much of a healthy relationship it depicts, but it's supposed to be first love, you know. And they're they sort of don't know who they are yet and what they want. And 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 it's. Even though it's about interpersonal conflict and growth, it's actually pretty relaxing and low key in a way that I really find enjoyable. It's not gonna change the world or anything. It's certainly not like a top ten Ghibli, but it, it's it's a solid slice of life teen drama. If you're a teenager, I would definitely watch it because it's about being you know young and in love. We've all been there. If you're a Ghibli completist, or if you just like the idea of a low-key teen drama, think something like Your Name, but with way less of a sci-fi <laughs> sort of um, bent and less exciting. It basically ends where it begins with him seeing her on the train and realizing that he's always loved her because I think he had kind of moved on. And you get the idea that they're now maybe more mature and ready to be in a relationship. So cool, happy endings and all. Like I said. Not an amazing barn burner, but a good Ghibli film, and I think worth watching. So if you're interested in it, and a, or a completionist like me, and you just want to say you've seen all the Studio Ghibli movies that you could see, I say Ocean Waves is worth checking out on G Kids. It's a good Blu-ray. It's a good-looking movie, so check it out. And if you have any other suggestions for animated films you think I should watch, hit me up at ClarkNova1 on Twitter and just fire away. I'll be back soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. So, you sold me. I'm in. If you like the ocean and you like I waves. I do like the ocean and I like waves. And you're not And I like Ghibli movies. you don't feel sleepy, then that uh, I oftentimes feel sleepy, but I think I can combat that. And power through it. Uh, and then finally, we have this week's Adult Swim single. Uh, as you may or may not know, but I'm going to tell you either way, we've been releasing a new song every single week for free uh, every Wednesday at noon for the last, I don't know, six months. we got about another five months to go. Or six months ago. Math doesn't quite <laughs> yeah. work out. It never has. And uh, we're in the 30s at this point. So uh, this week's Adult Swim single is by the rapper Maxo Cream, who I really like. He's an up-and-coming guy. It's called Pop Another. So let's check out a sample of Pop Another by Maxo Cream. So you Sounds can, a little dirty. Well, I mean, it's a rap song. So. Yeah. Um, so you can get that song as well as the other 33 Adult Swim singles at adultswim.com slash singles and keep coming back every week. We're going to be having new ones from all kinds of artists all the way through until next Memorial Day. So check them out. Can't wait. And I think that uh, wraps up our broadcast. For today. Do you have any, so far. Any last thing? Any last words? No. Okay. Thanks for watching. Tsunami, every Saturday night from 11 to 3.30.